Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. We're calling it Doughy from Joey, and it might be one of the worst things to come out of this administration, well, since last week, but it's very, very bad. Student loan forgiveness. It's a hit with the progressives, but bad economics and bad policy and just bad, plain old bad for everybody, those in debt, those who already paid their debt. Anyway, enough from me. Let's hear from, oh, he actually referred to himself a couple times as Joey today. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's let the president talk. My campaign for president, I made a commitment. I made a commitment that would provide student debt relief. Our approach is why America's economic economic recovery, and we're going to have people who are there to help get you, help help direct you and work work you through the process. All right. It was a bad idea. Bad idea to let him talk. Let's go through it, though. It's going to cost $300 billion at least. There are some estimates that say this could cost as much as $600 billion. Loan forgiveness up to $10,000 with incomes of less than $125,000 per year and so on. Folks, people on both sides of the aisle are saying that this is a terrible, terrible idea. Uh, Number one, we have this from a former Obama administration official pouring roughly a half trillion dollars of gasoline on the inflationary fire that is already burning is reckless. Doing it while going well beyond one campaign promise, 10,000 K of student loan relief and breaking another all proposals paid for is even worse from Tom Cotton. There is no such thing as student loan forgiveness. This is a bailout paid for by the large majority of Americans who never went to college or who responsibly paid off their debts. Uh, The nonpartisan committee for responsible federal policy says that this thing is going to basically benefit uh, JDs, MDs and MBAs. It will drive up tuition costs, wipe out any alleged savings from that Inflation Reduction Act. And this is just not good for Generation Z. They've been laying around for, what, two years? I mean, with this government largesse, this is not real. This is artificial, folks. This is a lost generation, and they are becoming even more lost, and this is not helping. By the way, does Joe Biden actually have the authority to just do this? Not according to Nancy at one point. That the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. 
So they're pulling some strings and doing this uh, related to COVID, the restrictions of COVID, and that somehow they can actually pull this off. It is a bad, bad thing. And of course, Joe made it about himself and told some apparent doozies along the way. And I remember my senior year, I got into uh, one of the little ivies and I got into a number of schools and we're trying to get the money even with financial assistance to be able to go there. Ivy League school? Did he get into an Ivy League school or a Little Ivy? What the hell is a Little Ivy? I'm sorry, Vassar College, Bowdoin? I thought that was his big thing. He didn't go to those fancy schools. He said it a million times. I'm going to be the first non-Ivy League person to occupy the White House in a long time. If I were elected president, I'd be the first president who didn't go to an Ivy League school in a long time. If I got elected president... I'd only be the second guy in this century, in the last century, that, in fact, didn't go to an Ivy League school. Nobody cares where you went to college. And by the way, probably the greatest president we ever had, apart from Trump, Ronald Reagan went to some no-name college nobody ever heard of. Doesn't matter. Not in America. Then he told what's got to be a total lie about his father. I ran in, and the woman whose name was Mary, who ran the place, I said, Mary, where's Dad? She said, he's out in the lane going into the, in the repair shop. Give him my word, true story. And my dad was a well-dressed, refined fella, and I walked out, and my dad was pacing back and forth between the big garage door going into the, into the uh, repair shop and, and the door going out of the showroom. And he looked up, he said, oh, Joey, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought, God, something happened. I said, I went to Charlie and asked to borrow the money. He said, he won't lend it to me. He said, I'm so ashamed. I'm so damn ashamed. Wow. No money for college. And the father said at work, all dressed up, that he was so damned ashamed. Now, if this was the first time or the second time or even the tenth time he brought up his dad and told some personal story, I might believe it, but I don't. Because every time he brings up his father, it's not true. My dad just said, you know, we just ought to give people ability just they able to take a deep breath. And then he'd say, Joey, a job is about a lot more than a paycheck. And he used to have an expression. He'd say, you got to know how to know. you got to know how to know. Silence, as my dad would remind me. Silence is complicity. Uh, you know, my dad's another expression. The only way to deal with the abuse of power is with power. Well, my, my dad had an expression. He said, Joey, it's not a question of succeeding whether you get knocked down. It's how quickly you get up. And, uh, and he used to say, you never explain and never complain. My dad used to have an expression. He said, it's a lucky person. Gets up in the morning, puts both feet in the floor, knows what they're about to do, and thinks it still matters. My dad had an expression. He said the only conflict worse than one that's intended is one that's unintended. You know, my dad had an expression. He used to say, you know your success as a parent when you turn and look at your child and realize they turned out better than you. My dad used to have an expression. He used to say, everyone's entitled to be treated with dignity. He used to say, Joey, I don't expect the government to solve my problems, but I sure in hell expect them to understand them. Nobody believes this stuff. That's some expression, though, huh? Everyone is entitled to be treated with dignity. 
He can't figure out if his father is Aristotle or Ralph Cramden. What's the other one? Let me see his dad. Okay, there's the dad on the left. That's Joe as a brand new senator. Did this guy really say silence is complicity? Does that, did that just roll off of his tongue with that uh, mustache? I don't, who knows? No. Uh, all right. What about the people? who worked hard and paid their own debts. Is this fair to them? Joe seemed insulted by the question. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses to see why these guys get them all a tax base? Is that fair? What do you think? What about people who paid their loans, though, struggled to don't have to be nasty about it. What's wrong with him? What is wrong with him? Well, it worked. It got the fake news talking about something other than, well, (laughs) the issues that plague this country. Uh, And what are they? Everywhere, right? (laughs) Open border, crime out of control, inflation. Yeah, this is inflationary. There was some talk about that today. The supply chain and on and on and on. Uh, So now what? Oh, back to Mar-a-Lago, right? Now, this is all in addition to what we already knew about from the search earlier this month, the 11 boxes of classified material. Over those classified materials, this letter sent by the head of the archives to Trump in May. Officials all right, this is the name of the game. Keep that camera on Mar-a-Lago and not talk about any of the touchy issues because that could give them even more problems in the midterm. Now, yesterday was Election Day, primary day in Florida and New York. And by the way, that's strange, by the way, it used to be in the fall. And all of these things have moved to the summer. This, my friends, is anti-democratic. State after state, keep going, have moved their primaries. They used to be in the fall. That's when they're supposed to be to the summer. People are just not thinking about politics in the summer the way they do after Labor Day. They have screwed it all up it's anti-democratic. Oh, yeah, this is a threat to democracy. Uh, do we have one more? Yeah, see, summer dates. Hey, you know who really won yesterday? <laughs> Low voter turnout again. Everything's going on. People are not voting everywhere. We saw very low voter turnout, especially here in New York. Uh, and guess what? That's how they want it. All right. That's how they want it. That's how the rich and powerful want it. They want to make the decisions, not us. Here's an example. Uh, 2017, here in New York City, everybody understood that Bill de Blasio was the worst mayor ever, yet he was reelected with 66% of the vote. It was crazy. Even liberals, even Anderson Cooper and his friend uh, Andy Cohen knew that this guy was the worst ever Yet he gets reelected with these crazy landslide numbers. Watching Mayor de Blasio. Oh, don't go on a rant. Do his don't go on a victory rant. lap dance. Don't, don't, don't. After four years <laughs> of the, the crappiest charm as the mayor of New York. The That's only thing the that York. Democrats and Republicans can That's agree how, on I mean, is, is what a horrible mayor he has he, been. So sayonara, sucker. (laughs) Yeah, he was horrible for eight years. And those results, again, landslide results. Everybody knew he was terrible. But you know who wanted them in? Rich people. Oh, yeah, rich people. A lot of Republicans, too. They could do business with him. All right. Maybe these guys, these are the guys who run the world. I don't know how they specifically felt about de Blasio. 
But rich people, just like them, they pull the strings. <laughs> this is not a democracy. In so many ways, it's not a democracy. So that brings us to us, the patriots. I hope you hear about patriots, right? Are we really patriots? Think about the patriots, the real patriots during the Revolutionary War. What these guys had to put up with in the cold, the crazy cold. Can you imagine that? Or fighting in the heat without air conditioner. I mean, what these guys had to do. And here we are. We have every comfort in the world. Are we going to just wait around until Election Day, right? I mean, look at what they went through. We can do more than just waiting around because our country is at stake. It's slipping away. How do you define a country? How do you define a nation? Technically, what is it? A large body of people united by common descent, history, culture, or language inhabiting a particular country or territory. Are we united? No. Our history, our culture, our language, it's all up for grabs. It's all being reworked. Nobody seems to agree on it. And uh, inhabiting a particular country, we, the border is <laughs> optional. Are we just going to sit by? Are we just going to, here's something we can do, all right? And I'm not telling anybody to specifically fund any particular candidate, but you could write a check or swipe a credit card for somebody, a person, a pack, somebody, and it doesn't have to be big. In fact, it's more potent. It's more powerful if it's small, 10, 20, 30 bucks. That's how uh, the political experts keep score. Democrats and Republicans actually agree on this one. Our campaign depends on small donations for the majority of our support. We can't do this without you. I mean, small donors matter. I, and I think that's pretty important um, because it shows that there are people out there who are listening to you and your entreaties. When you see an influx of small donations, 20s and 30s and 50s and even hundreds or whatever. Someone saying I care. That should worry because that is a vote. And you get a whole bunch of those versus one $3,500 or $5,400 donor or whatever. That should worry you because that is a movement. Small donors are a movement and momentum. Small donors, a movement and momentum, huh? They can't take that power away from us. They're trying to take just about everything else, including and especially the freedom of speech. So maybe, maybe we should use our wallet a little bit more. What do you think? All right. Stay with us. Uh, the Democrats just nominated a crazy person for governor of Florida. Charlie Crist, the former Republican, now a Democrat, now a lunatic, in my opinion. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right, so Marco Rubio obviously renominated in Florida for his United States Senate seat. I think he's great. I think he's very, very impressive. And the guy has genuine expertise, unlike most politicians. A no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure a lot of people fully understand what that means. That means flying AWACS 24 hours a day. That means the willingness to shoot down and engage 
Russian airplanes in the sky. That means, frankly, you can't put those planes up there unless you're willing to knock out the anti-aircraft uh, systems that the Russians have deployed, and not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and also in, in, in Belarus. So basically, a no-fly zone. Is, I uh, like this guy, all right? This is knowledge that most politicians don't have, all right? He's really worked on it. He knows his stuff. He's up against Val Demings, Congresswoman, uh, what's special about her? Uh, I don't know. I do know she does not know how to behave sometimes in public. They deserve better, and the American people deserve I have the floor, Mr. Jordan. What, did I strike a nerve? Law enforcement officers deserve better than to be utilized as pawns. And you... And your colleagues are ashamed of yourself. The gentle lady will suspend and the clock will be stopped. I want to admonish members. I want to admonish members. Wow, the gentle lady will be. That's from fellow Democrat uh, Jerry Nadler, I believe. Anyway, uh, on to Ron DeSantis. <laughs> this should be. This should be easy for him. But, you know, he's got a lot of going to you know, the fake news. They hate him. They want to take him out. And uh, Charlie Crist is his opponent. I think this is a dream candidate. Uh, used to be a Republican. Now he's a Democrat. And now he's nuts. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. Goodbye, Charlie. You're a bad, bad candidate. And if you say something like that and you believe it, I think you're a bad guy. All right. Uh, Democrats are going to pretend right now that, oh, everything's turning around. It's looking really good for us. Some hints of Democratic optimism. Democrats are doing better than you might expect heading into a midterm election well, it was a big night for Democrats in New York and in Florida. That's right. The party racked up several key wins in the final set of primaries before the November midterm elections. Turnout among Democrats that dwarfs energy. Enthusiasm all right. All right. Keep telling yourselves that this is spin. OK, this is spin. They're grasping. They're desperate. They know the issues are totally not on their side, so they are playing a game of smoke and mirrors. Look at Trump's record in endorsing candidates, all right? Talk about a winning streak. And oh, by the way, he doesn't have to be doing this, all right? He's out there all the time stumping like crazy. And this also drives Democrats and the fake news crazy. This is not how ex-presidents are supposed to act, particularly one-term presidents. Remember George H.W. Bush? Oh, boy, he was 69 years old, the last day in office, and he just moped his way back to Kenny Bunkport, whereas Trump is out there all the time. Another reason why they're getting a little panicky, uh, the January 6th hearings did not work. Mar-a-Lago raid It's one of the reasons why they're pushing this thing so much, and I think possibly why it happened, because the January 6th hearings were a bust. The American people, to the extent that they were watching, certainly... Well, it didn't capture their imagination. It just didn't. We saw all those riots all across the country for two years, and you're going to make such a big deal about this one? Why is that? So, folks, real people are not talking about January 6th. Remember the Watergate hearings? Are you old enough to remember the Watergate hearings? Now, 
any member of Congress who's ever uh, held one of these joint hearings, uh, they have dreams that it's going to be like Watergate. Watergate, right? The whole country was talking about Watergate. They were mesmerized by it. All right. We didn't have as many TVs back then as we do now, but they were talking about it. January 6th are, how often do you hear it mentioned in your comings and goings? I don't. I don't. person I know who talks about January 6th the most, quite frankly, I guess, other than MSNBC, is me, but I talk about it in a very different way. We're going for the truth and we're going for justice for Ashley Babbitt. And by the way, it has been how many days? 595 days without justice for Ashley Babbitt. <sighs> Someday we'll get it. All right. Stay with us. 50 years ago this week, the events that inspired the movie Dog Day Afternoon. The motive of the bank robbers is relevant in a way. We'll talk about it in a moment. can say is, is that, that the, the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And this is driving the fake news crazy. After that ridiculous Mar-a-Lago raid, Trump's support is going up significantly post-FBI raid, up seven points. And also, Truth Social downloads. You know about Truth Social? I got to download this thing. Up 550%. It's like uh, Twitter without the bias. Oh, and the coffers, the fundraising, the money that's coming in to Team Trump, and they need it to fight these battles and to take the country back. They're doing very, very well. Have you noticed uh, when it comes to the mainstream media and Democrats that anything trans is automatically great, automatically righteous and pure? I don't think anything is automatically righteous and pure. I mean, there are Good trans people, bad trans people, bad straight people, people are people. But especially Joe, he thinks trans people are, well, better somehow. For all transgender Americans watching at home, especially young people, you're so brave. I want you to know your president has your back. To everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility, I want you to know that your president sees you and know this. You're so brave. You belong. And we have your back. Transgender kids are some of the bravest people in the world. I mean it sincerely. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. I want everybody to reach their God-given potential. But uh, transgender kids, first of all, I'm not sure if they know their transgender yet. All right. Joe has been advancing this thing in in kind of dark ways and not everything transgender is good. So there was a bank robbery in Brooklyn 50 years ago uh, this week. That's John Vodovich robbing the bank. A hostage situation followed. Now, uh, Mr. Vodovich there had a boyfriend who was transgender. The bank robbery, folks, was actually done to get money for the sex change operation. This story was made famous in the movie Dog Day Afternoon, featuring Al Pacino. Uh, who directed this? Was it the... Uh, I don't remember, but it was great. Take a look. Dog back there, man! Get over there, will ya? He wants to kill me so bad, he can taste it. I'm always hey, gonna kill him. Attica! 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 
Sidney Lumet, by the way, was the director, and John Cazale, the late John Cazale, was the um, was Sonny. Uh, great movie. Yeah, the motives aren't always pure, and <laughs> if you point these things out, you're on very thin ice, but you're correct. Take a look at this woman, a molecular scientist. She knows her stuff, and she feels edgy, out there, just talking basic facts. Being male or being female is a developmental process. You can't go backwards. Okay. So you can't change your sex. Currently in California prisons and prisons in other parts of the country, women are getting impregnated by other women. And there's just no way. That, I mean, this is against the UN. Women have internalized misogyny to the point where the man's comfort is, takes precedence over the woman's safety. There's a reason why they don't want to be in men's prisons, because men beat each other to death. Women don't do that. It's an interesting point. And you look it up. These stories are out there. They're not magnified. They're not discussed. But they are putting transgender women, a.k.a. men, in women's prisons. And these are the results. Sexual assault. All right. All over the place. Next, please. It's happening. It's happening, folks. Male inmate convicted of raping female at Rikers Island Women's Facility. Male inmate identified as a woman. That kind of thing. Seven attacks in women's jails by transgender convicts and on and on and on. And oh, by the way, it happens. uh, It happens the other way as well. Uh, Transgender women or men or whatever being targeted in all male prisons. It's um, I don't know if America was really ready for this or thought it out or the left, the Democrats pushing this agenda so aggressively. Uh, People like Joe Biden, though, and AOC, they want to gloss over, not even recognize the enormous complications and risks to this silly glorification they've engaged in. We have the radicalization of young men. This is an issue. Um, Young women are not doing this. Young non-binary people are not doing this. Trans people are not doing this. This is an issue that we have. She was talking about a mass shooting, and uh, she's wrong, okay? Trans people have been involved in all kinds of bad things. Everybody's been involved, every group. No group's immune, but let's go through it. Alec McKinney, transgender man, shot all kinds of people in Denver. It happened. Eileen Warnos uh, happens to be, uh, yeah, you know that story. Okay, serial killer. Donna Perry, uh, serial killer. These things happen. You try to ignore it. It actually happened for years, for decades. People are people. Some are good, some are bad. Recently, look at this. A transgender woman in her 80s or his 80s, whatever. This stuff happens. Um, No one group is better or above another And that's the way it feels in America right now, at least from our mainstream media and the left, that somehow if you identify in a certain way, it's ultimate status. It's uh, but it's not. It's not far more complicated or maybe it's just far more simple. Hey, stay with us. We do know that kids should not be hanging out with transgender people or cross-dressers or anything like that. Certainly not in an environment like this. However, if you say this kind of stuff like we're saying right now, They threaten you with cancellation. It's still happening. We'll be right back. 
Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Folks, there's a, uh, a group out there. They're called Gays Against Groomers. Groomers, the grooming of children. Quite frankly, uh, I think they're terrific. Take a look at this message. Who could quarrel with these messages? There needs to be a federal law banning all trans medicalization and surgical mutilation of minors. All of these doctors and surgeons should not only be stripped of their medical licenses, but never be allowed within 500 yards of a child ever again. Amen. Next telling children and planting the idea in their head that they are anything less than perfect exactly as they are and as God made them is pure evil. Childhood is already ripe with self-doubt and insecurities without them being told they might have been born in the wrong body. Next, a four-year-old can't even choose their own bedtime, but apparently they can choose their own gender. And for this, what happened? <laughs> Kicked off of Twitter. How did they justify it? like to uh, meet Jamie Michelle, uh, introduce Jamie Michelle. She is the founder of Gays Against Groomers. Uh, welcome to the show, Jamie, and thank you for your message. How are you? Hi, Greg. It's great to be on here with you. Thanks for having me on. You bet. You bet. So number one, um, when did you start this and why? Right. So we're very new. I started Gays Against Groomers June 6th of this year. So we haven't even been on been online or in existence for three months yet. Uh, and we have now been banned four times in that time. So in under three months, Twitter has banned us four times now. And our account keeps getting reinstated. It's a really bizarre uh, experience. I'm not sure what's going on over there. I think that they just don't know what to do with us, how to handle us, really, without eating their own, you know? Because uh, we have some diversity points here, you know? They, they shouldn't be harping on us, but, you know. Well, you are uh, from the LGBTQ community, and uh, they are censoring you, it would seem. Have they given you a reason? Have they, did they say why your account is suspended? You know, you can click on that tab and, you know, find out more information. What are they telling right. you, if anything? They don't tell us anything. That's what's so bizarre, is we don't even get an email from them um, the way that I find out is I open the app and all of a sudden the account is gone. And I see what you have on the screen right there is that it's just suspended. The only thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the only thing I'm able to do is appeal it, but I don't even get emails in response to the appeal. It's just gone and then it's back and gone and back. Um, so I, I don't know. I think they're having a battle over there at Twitter HQ. Maybe there's one based employee left. That's like, no, we're leaving them on. I don't I don't really know. Um, and do me a favor. Look, and it's totally fine if you are. Are you being provocative, saying these basic truths that children should not be undergoing this? You know, for some, they they say, oh, this is hate speech. This is transphobic. Even saying that men can't have children is somehow transphobic. Maybe you saw that exchange. So is this part of the intent to say some basic truths and to see what happens? Um, definitely not. First of all, our coalition shouldn't even have to exist. Every day I wake up and I'm like, why is this even a thing? <clears throat> but we had to enter the fight. Uh, no, the things we're saying are common sense, have always been common sense for all of human history. Uh, they are not radical uh, tweets or words or thoughts. Um, this is the truth. And, you know, yeah, we know for, for a few years now the truth has been labeled as hate speech. Um, 
But as I said, you know, they have censorship, but we have the majority of the population and it's 100 percent true. You know, they uh, bow down to appease this very minority radical sect of society. And that is not at all how people actually feel, how the mass, mass majority of people feel. So, you know, they can censor all they want, but the truth is the truth. And uh, we're not going away anytime soon. And there's millions fighting with us, parents, just regular people, as well as within the gay community. Um, We're not going to ever stop until what's happening to children is stopped. What do you think the motivation is with uh, this sudden interest, or maybe it's not sudden, but they're more out in the open, this fixation with children? And we see the uh, the drag queens across dressers at events with children. I mean, this stuff, obviously, this is adult behavior. 18 and up, fine. But kids, no. They're so emboldened and they're they're so open about it. Where did this, why is this happening at this moment? Um, Yeah, it's truly mind-blowing. I have deduced that this was probably the intention all along, what, uh, you know, woke people and progressives, uh, they were, that this was their goal. Their end game is to, like, get children, to sexualize children, to indoctrinate them and confuse them, and to basically, I mean, if a child can consent to changing their gender, what else could a child consent for? Um, You know, they can pretty much decide to do anything. And I think that this opens a wide open door for actual pedophiles to get near them and ultimately uh, abuse them. And, uh, you know, back back in the day when we were fighting for gay marriage, all we wanted was equal rights. Me and millions and millions of others within the community. We were happy to stop the fight there. Um, And, you know, people, radicals on the right and religious right, they would they would warn us of like the slippery slope. And I and along with all of us thought that they were crazy. Like we literally just wanted to be able to have the same rights as everybody else and treated the same as everybody else. Mm. Um, But, you know, now these radicals have proven the slippery slope to be 100 percent true. Uh, and we're doing what we can to reverse it because we're not going to let this happen. They're using our community essentially as shields to be able to do this. And um, we don't condone it. We were never asked to consent to it. We we oppose it. And um, they're going to know that. As you may know, Donald Trump appointed the first openly gay uh, person to be the head of a cabinet agency. Um, Rick Grinnell, National Director of Intelligence. Donald Trump drew a lot of fire from the so-called LGBTQ community when he only said the Pentagon should not be doing sex reassignment surgery. They try to say he was Hitler because the Pentagon should not be doing sex reassignment surgery. I only have a couple of moments left, but do me a favor, because I said you're a member of the LGBTQ community, which how do you... How do we talk about that? Because quite frankly, there is no straight community. You know what I mean? There's no uh, is there is there an updated way we should be talking about that? Because to label somebody's orientation like that, their politics are somehow linked to their orientation. That seems a little bit uh, crazy. Right. I totally agree. Like, I mean, I am a lesbian. Excuse me. I'm a lesbian, but I don't view that as my whole identity. I view it as the way that I have dark hair. Same thing. Um, I mean, I say gay community. I say gay and trans people. I personally believe that LGB is has always been separate from T. They should have been right. Shouldn't 
lumped in together in the first place. One is who you love and one is who you are. But that's not our focus right now. We're worried about what's happening to the kids. But I'd just say, first of all, we don't like the cue. None of us, gay or trans, you know, except for these woke people. We don't like the cue. The cue. Cue means queer. And that Uh, used to be an actual slur, unlike the word groomer. So, Jamie, um, yeah, groomer should be should be. uh, It's a pejorative. And it has to stop. The activity has to stop. Jamie, Michelle, we appreciate it, quite frankly. Um, Gays against groomers. Don't cancel them, Twitter and Instagram and the rest. All the best. And we'll be right back. Hey, we're back with Peter Schweitzer, president of the Government Accountability Institute and author of Red Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. And also, perhaps my favorite, Profiles in Corruption. I'm so glad I got to read that just before Kamala Harris was announced as the nominee. Peter, welcome back. Great to be with you, Greg, as always. Thanks for having me. So uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband in trouble, Paul, well, I guess we know he's going to jail. Did you see the arrest, uh, the the body cam footage yet? Yes, I did. Um, and, you know, Greg, it's 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 really shocking to me uh, because let's remember what happened here. Uh, he caused an accident. He was intoxicated. There was somebody apparently injured uh, in this incident. According to California law, I'm not a lawyer, but it's pretty straightforward. Uh, that constitutes felony DWI. Uh, but he was not charged with a felony DWI. He was charged with two misdemeanors. Um, And that's all you need to know about justice in America today. There's a certain set of rules uh, for the powerful and the well-connected. And for the rest of us, well, those rules don't apply. And, Peter, you know, uh, Paul Pelosi goes there uh, in the conversation you hear at the end. He's warming up to, you know, the whole do you know who I am routine. Take a look. Let's listen. Are you sure you could complete the test? Okay. I really don't want you to fall over and hurt yourself. That's the last thing I'll Right, but, but that, that defeats the, the whole purpose of the test, grabbing onto a pro car. So are you willing to do the breathalyzer test? Right, no, I, I understand you want to go home. You're involved in a crash. Right. I smell alcohol coming from your breath. I can see you're very unsteady on your feet. Right. No, I, I understand who you are. <laughs> I'm a high-profile person. Give me uh, special perks. Uh, what a mis- I mean, there it is. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, exactly, Greg. I mean, the other thing he apparently did was uh, he's the member of some California Highway Patrol Association, uh, and he actually pulled out the card uh, and, and tried to use that as well. Um, Look, I mean, here's the reality. Uh, We should laugh at this because it is really kind of pathetic. But here's the problem, Greg. I mean, basically, a lot of politicians in Washington, including the Pelosi's, get a lot of passes on a lot of things. Uh, We've talked about insider trading on the stock market. Paul Pelosi's made some pretty amazing stock trades based on the fact that his wife was Speaker in the House. 
Nobody calls him out on that because he is Nancy Pelosi's husband. So uh, this is a small indication of a larger serious problem that we have in this country. Peter, could I get you on the Mar-a-Lago raid? I have a theory. Well, I guess other people share it. I mean, this is obviously to me a setup uh, by the swamp, uh, FBI, um, General Services Administration, the National Archives, which had it out for Trump while he was president. Uh, the president himself did not leave with uh, those documents. I feel like this is this is a hit job by the swamp. I don't think it's going to work, but I do I do have a feeling that the National Archives is playing a game here during his presidency and now after his presidency. Yeah, it's really remarkable, Greg. I mean, look, um, issues like this uh, come up sometimes when you're talking about the transference of documents uh, before uh, the transition to power. Um, somebody else comes into the presidency and whatnot. And we certainly have had experiences with Hillary Clinton's uh, laptop. Remember, there were top secret documents uh, on that uh, laptop and on the server that she had set up that was not authorized the FBI also concluded, by the way, that that server was penetrated by at least one foreign intelligence agency. Um, there's a clear example where she went out of her way uh, to um, have documents in an unofficial, insecure uh, capacity. And what did we hear from the FBI? James Comey said, well, we can't prove that it was her intention, <laughs> even though that doesn't say the law. So, again, you're seeing an unequal uh, uh, you know, uh, application of justice here. It, clearly, there were indications that the Trump team was cooperating with the archives and with the Department of Justice on these documents. It's just a massive overreach, and it reeks of a political operation. Peter Schweitzer, when's your next book coming out? Can you tell us what it's about? Unfortunately, I can't, Greg, but I'd love to come back. I'm working on it right now. It's, it's going to be another 18 months before it comes out, but I would love to come back even before then uh, and talk to you about other things. I always enjoy being with you. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Your books are phenomenal, and uh, we appreciate it so much. Peter Schweitzer, and uh, check it out, uh, Red Handed, if you can, and also my other favorite, Profiles in Corruption, and there are several others. To be continued, Peter Schweitzer, and we'll be right back. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. One of the hottest political books in the country, The Return. Trump's big 2024 comeback by political genius and presidential advisor, advise Trump, advise Clinton, Dick Morris, Dick, welcome back. How are you, sir? You know, I really admire your previous guest, Peter Schweitzer, Schweitzer because he nailed his, his book, Clinton Cash. He absolutely found out what they were doing, exposed it, and had more. To, and, you know, I, I, I've never liked Hillary, and, and he really nailed her. He's a uh, he's a genius, but he's gone and it's your turn and it's your book. And we want your insight on what happened last night and what it means for the midterms. Dick, well, where are we and what's me, happening? Let me go back to Mar-a-Lago. Um, that had nothing to do with the archives. I mean, our, knock yourself out in 20 years. Some historian is going to have a ball going through all these documents, uh, but nobody cares about them now. And you know that there was nothing serious in those documents because they took a year and a half to recover them. 
<laughs> they let Trump sit with it for 18 months before they did anything. And the only reason they raided him then is that it was 90 days to the day before the off-year elections. And the FBI rules are that you can't do anything within 90 days of an election that could affect it. So they waited until then, and then at the last minute, they raided. But that was just a pretext, uh, Greg. The point was to get into the door at Mar-a-Lago and be able to go through everything and go fishing. And the thing they're fishing for is documents to prove or to frame Trump to say the January 6th riot was, in fact, an insurrection against the government of the United States of America, the only unarmed insurrection in world history. And obviously it wasn't, but that's what they're trying to do. And the reason they're trying, the yeah. whole purpose of the January 6th committee was that. But, but Dick, Dick, it's such a far-fetched thing. We know, we know the president wasn't waging an insurrection. We know that. And we know these January 6th hearings are bogus. I'm afraid we're out of time, but look, oh, it, it's in your book and follow him on Twitter and uh, go to his website, dickmorris.com, register. Well, not only get the book, but damn near memorize it because it's the <laughs> plays oh. the Democrats are going to use. Ah, all right. Well, good stuff, Dick. We're on it. Very important to be continued, sir. Thanks so much. And I'll see you tomorrow.